Hi there. My name is David Hansen, and you have reached my weekly sermon podcast. I serve as the pastor of St. John Lutheran Church of Prairie Hill. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located just outside of Brenham, Texas. You can learn more about our congregation on our website, stjohnprairiehill.org. You can also connect with me on my website, revdavidh.blogspot.com. This last Sunday, May 26th, was not just the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, it was also Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday is a festival observed by many Christians around the world, and so wherever you are in the world, when you listen to this podcast, please know that we here in Prairie Hill give thanks to God for you. God bless you, and enjoy this week's sermon. I have a confession to make this morning. Out of all the festivals of the church here, this is the one Sunday I would skip. And this is the Sunday that I would choose to sleep in. Think about the major festivals of the church here. Okay, there's Christmas, and that's big and lots of fun, and we get to tell the story about Jesus being born. There's the Epiphany, and we get to tell the story of the wise men coming from the east. Easter, of course, we get to tell the story of Jesus rising from the grave. The Ascension, we get the story of Jesus' last moment with his followers. And then we come to this Sunday, Trinity Sunday. It's not about an event in the life of Jesus. It's not about an event in the life of the church as Pentecost Sunday is. It's a Sunday dedicated to a doctrine. And not just a doctrine. One of the hardest to explain doctrines that we have in the life of our church. It's the sort of thing that doesn't excite a whole lot of people. Read a few things. These are the sorts of things you get to do if you go to seminary. right? The proposition that God's self-identity lies in dramatic coherence is in any case mandatory for those who wish to wish it the worship the biblical God. For if we cannot construe biblical God self-identity in this way, then we cannot construe it at all. Makes sense, right? Yeah? Perfectly sensible. Or this one, which I really like. Unity of essence or substance does not mean that the persons of the Trinity are like one another in virtue of a shared generic nature, the way three people are like one another. Unity of essence or substance means that the three persons of the Trinity are the very same or concrete substance in three moments of forms of presentation. It all makes perfect sense to you, right? I have slept through more sermons on Trinity Sunday than on any other Sunday of the church year. Because the options are twofold. Number one, I could read a whole bunch of more boring stuff like that for you, which... I enjoy, but quite frankly, I'm a little bit weird because of it. Or, we could ignore it altogether. Which is certainly happening in plenty of places, I'm sure, today. There's plenty else going on in, in the life of the world right now, right? We can certainly talk about Oklahoma and, and the tragedy that's happened there and how you respond when parents have to bury children and what that means. Certainly there's plenty there if we wanted to ignore it. But I think it's important to come back to this doctrine of the Trinity. 
Because I think, in fact, it has something precisely to say to us on a day like today. So what the Trinity means, in essence, is that there are three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And in some way, they're one. We can just leave it at that. There are lots of ways to explore what that means, but we can just leave it at that. that there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in some way they are one. And from the beginning of time, from before the beginning of time, they have existed together. Never alone. Never apart. Always fully dependent upon one another. Always fully relying on one, with one another. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Okay, that's fine and that's good. But that doesn't have a whole lot of effect on, on my life, on our life together, until you get to that passage from Genesis that John read for us this morning. When preparing to create us, preparing to create human beings, God says, let us, three persons, let us create humankind in our image, and according to our likeness. Let us create humankind in our image and according to our likeness. Which is a community. Let us create humankind as a community. Let us create a humankind that are dependent upon one another, that need one another in the same way that God is dependent on one another. In the same way that God needs the other persons of the Trinity. In the same way that they need them. So in the same way that the Father needs the Son, that the Son needs the Spirit, that the Spirit needs the Father, we need one another. That's what God is saying when God says, let us create humankind in our image. And then the entire story of the Bible, from there until the book of Revelation, from Genesis 1 until Revelation 22, is a story of how that community is broken and God tries to fix it. So you can start with Abraham. And God calls out Abraham and says to Abraham and to his wife Sarah, I promise that you will have a son. That you will become a family, a community. And that breaks down. And again and again, God returns and tries to restore that community. And Joseph and his family go off to Egypt. And Moses is called to go into Egypt and to share that community and, and, and save that community and bring them up out of Egypt. And Jesus comes along and Jesus comes along and he's baptized and the first thing he does after he's baptized is call his disciples. Gather a community. Again and again and again. The story of scripture is the story of how community is broken and how God is trying to restore it and make it whole once again. Because we like to think that we can do it on our own. We like to think that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We like to think that we can go into our room and shut the door and just have a me and Jesus kind of moment. And God says, no, you need one another. No, you need community. Let me think, how would you respond? When someone's heart is breaking. How would you respond to mother or a father in Oklahoma who has to bury a child this week? 
How would you respond in the middle of brokenness and hurt in someone's life? How do we respond when that community gets broken? And I think about the times that I have been most hurt in my life. You can start when you were little, right? What's the response that you want more than anything when you are hurt as a child? Attention. Crawl on up into mama's lap and be held. Kiss it and make it better. Let me know that it's all going to be okay. And even as we become adults, we want to, okay, maybe not literally, but we want to crawl up in mama's lap and we know that know this all going to be okay. Have someone put their arm around us and stand alongside us. They don't necessarily need to say anything. But they just need to be there. Because we don't want to be alone. So we don't want to be by ourselves. Because we can't deal with it on our own. We need the community. I think even when I called my mother and, and, and my father and told them that I was getting a divorce, my mother's very first reaction was tomorrow I'm going to rent a car and I will drive the 14 hours down there because she knew that I needed nothing more than to be with my mom at 30 plus years old. Right? We need that community. And our response is to take care of one another. When we cannot take one more step by ourselves, what we need is someone to put their arms around us and hold us up and carry us and walk with us and help us to make sure that we get there. And that's how we do it. To say that we are created in the image of God is to say that we need one another. We need to take care of one another. We need one another for this community to be who God has called us to be. We come to this Memorial Day. Does anybody remember what Memorial Day used to be called? Decoration Day. That's exactly right. It used to be called Decoration Day. And one of the first Memorial Days took place in Charleston, South Carolina. There are a number of first Memorial Days, but this was one of them. Uh, and it happened in Charleston, South Carolina. And there in Charleston during the Civil War, there had been a POW camp where Union soldiers were held. And close to 300 Union soldiers were buried in an unmarked tomb there. And following the war, in May of 1865, the black community of Charleston, these former slaves, got together and decided to remember those people who no one else knew their name. And so they went out and decorated that unmarked grave. And that was the first Memorial Day. It was a reminder that those who go off and die in war very often are without family. Very often have no descendants because we send off young men and women with no family very often. And if we don't remember them, no one else will. And that's where Memorial Day comes from. That those without family, we are their family. Those with no one else to remember them, we will remember them. Those with no one else to take care of them, we will take care of them. That is the call of the Christian life. To be in the image and likeness of God. To care for one another. We can talk all day long about the theology and philosophy of the doctrine of the Trinity. I would enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, one of the church's greatest theologians, St. Augustine, says it best. And St. Augustine says this. He says, if you love your neighbor, you understand more about God 
than anything you can learn from your books. If you love your neighbor, you understand more about God than anything you can learn from your books. Because God is a community. God is love, existing from eternity, from before time as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fully dependent on one another, fully relying on one another, and he calls us to do the same. He calls us to be the same. And that's an obligation for us. It's a task for us. It's a calling for each of us to go out and do, to love our neighbor and care for our neighbor. But it is also on this Trinity Sunday a promise. And the promise is this. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you are not alone. No matter how broken your life gets, you are not alone. If your family is not perfect, that's okay. That is not your only community. If your church is not perfect, that's okay. This is not your only community. At the end of the day, you are not alone. You are created for a community. That's who God has called you to be, and God will hold that up for you. Hopefully one of us will be there for you. And if it's not one of us, it will be someone else. Because God has called us to be that and do that, to care for one another. And so no matter what happens in your life, how hard it gets, to be the people who worship the God who is one in three is to say that you are never alone. You're never alone.